0: Give a rousing welcome
2: to Mr. Hank Williams. Alright boys, let it roll. Hey, good looking.
0: When he first came to see me, he played some songs he'd written and I offered him a contract right then and there. Something up with me. He me. Most of the time I did. Sit here.
1: Congratulations. You have a son, Mr. Williams. <laughs> yeah. He's
0: going to have a real dad, not like it was for me. It's a
2: brand new recipe. He's drinking like a fish tonight.
1: What you writing,
0: Hank? A little poem to the Lord.
2: Why don't you write
1: me a poem?
0: I might have to get you a little better.
1: Hello and welcome to the This Hat Oscar Buzz Podcast, the only podcast getting high with a naked Shia LaBeouf. Every week on This Hat Oscar Buzz we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another it all went wrong. The Oscar Hopes died, and we are here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, Chris File, and I'm here as always with the yee to my Ha, my co host <laughs> Joe
3: Reed. hello chris how are you
1: i'm doing great are you ready to get some yeehaw in today
3: sure it's always weird when we say the autopsy line when we're talking about a movie where the main character dies because i am just like it feels a little little bit more morbid maybe than usual but you know what we're just gonna power through
0: well
1: to help us out with that yeehaw morbidity joe for the first time in a hot minute we have a guest today We
3: do. We
1: do have a guest. I'm very excited to bring her here. She is a fellow, like, TIFF nerd, like we both are, so I'm sure the movie we have chosen, um, or that she offered up, actually, um, to talk about today will give us some time to dish about that. Uh, You know her as a writer and producer and film commentator. I love her on Twitter at the NYC Film Chick. It's Erica Mann!
2: Hey guys, how are you? Welcome. Hi, Welcome, Erica. thank you for inviting me. I'm
1: so excited. We are so very excited to uh, talk to you today, Erica. Would you like to introduce the film that we have for our listeners today?
2: Absolutely, of course. Absolutely. Um, oh, is this the, is where you do you time me? Uh, oh more? no,
1: we won't do the sixty second plot. <laughs> but like, what movie have we chosen
2: today? Oh, okay. Um, so. Funny enough, um, when you guys invited me, I feel like I've had this, like, subconscious list in my head of (laughs) films that I wanted to talk about. And um, I Saw the Light was one of them. Um, I Saw the Light is a, you know, a biopic about country singer Hank Williams, um, starring Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen. And, um, yeah, it was one of those films that kind of popped up a lot of buzz. Uh, I just couldn't stop hearing about it. Like, this is the it, this is the film. And then it was, like, nothing. An
1: immediate <laughs> and death at TIFF. It like, was so fast. It became oh, so toxic. Legend. It was yeah. so
2: quick. Like, I, I, honestly, I've never seen a film die so, like, abruptly. So utterly fast.
1: And it, like, had the very, very high expectations until Huge. people saw it. <laughs>
2: and then, but then you know what? And you watch it and you understand why.
1: And Joe, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also our first music biopic that we've talked about? Is that possibly true? I think it's true. I'm going through our list right now. And
3: It's probably I... because so many of them actually and like some sometimes inexplicably do well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's usually such a reliable Oscar genre.
1: Yeah. I mean, and we won't ever stop talking about it. We have Rocket Man in theaters right now. Right. I know. Or I know. It might be wrapping up its theatrical run. How is it? was it
3: doing? I haven't even checked the box office on
1: it.
2: I feel I like it's been doing pretty well. I mean, because, well, let me just say this: with Bohemian Rhapsody being so um, mixed better words, um, critically, I feel like Rocket Man's like a like a sweet relief. You're like, Oh thank God, finally a a film we can actually like like and enjoy. So
0: yeah.
3: I think
2: critically people are really digging it for the most part. I just
3: feel like in terms of like money wise though, like Bohemian Rhapsody feels like that's here's the thing. that movie was such
1: a hit it and this keeps one getting the Bohemian isn't. Rhapsody comparisons for obvious reasons, but particularly the money thing it's like Rocketman seems like it's this disappointment but really I think on a musical biopic standard, it's doing quite sure. well. It's that Bohemian Rhapsody did crazy. Well and I also think Rocket man like you hear people talk about how it's more of a musical than a biopic, and that's only like half true it's very much I, that like a that's Broadway... only true for the
3: first maybe 20, 25 minutes and then it yeah. really really downshifts into, to me... I mean, this is where I sort of go into my whole Rocket Man spiel, and I promise <laughs> not to monopolize everybody's time too much. But I do feel like for the middle part of that movie, in a way that like people are kind of giving it a pass for, it becomes this very, very standard music biopic that I kind of was expecting it to be. And I think because it's not directed by the same person who directed... Bohemian Rhapsody I think a lot of people are willing to sort of graft onto it virtue that maybe I don't think it has and then it picks up it picks up at like fits and starts in the last half of it the the um, rocket man sequence in particular i think is really good but that first 25 minutes i was like i fucking love this movie this is maybe going to be one of my favorites of the year this is like watching it is like watching a like
1: jukebox musical on stage in like the best way it's like a jukebox musical that's really influenced almost like moulin rouge with how like extreme yeah. some of these sequences are yeah
3: and like even the stuff that seemed really corny, I was like no, I'm totally going with this. The part where like his like mom and his dad and his gran and whatever are all singing um,
1: I want love, which is like completely like a banana song <laughs> cue for what that is emotionally doing in that scene.
3: Right, right, exa- Well, and just like like it doesn't fit in the time frame, it doesn't fit anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm so willing to go with this. And then like in the second half, that drug addiction just goes on and yeah. on and
1: on. It goes on and on until he hugs his inner child. Yes,
3: and that's oh. it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yet, I get why people. It it's a movie that you that is much much more likable than Bohemian Rhapsody. I'll, to I guess to us because like Bohemian Rhapsody was. I think people do want to maybe forget not only a financial hit but like i'm pretty sure that cinema score was an a like everybody who wasn't us and by us i mean like people who cover film for a living
2: right loved it loved like, it freaking loved, loved it, it. So had much. no
3: problems with it had no willing like did not care to investigate the they had no idea of what the like problematic nature of it was and they didn't care to look into it they were just like this is fun I'm loving this, whatever. I can't imagine anybody would do that with I Saw the Light.
2: No, <laughs> no. absolutely not.
1: No, I, I mean, first of all, I, we will definitely get into it, but like we're talking about Rocket Man, a movie that does take its creative leaps, even if it feels very much like the capitalized, authorized biography um, in so many ways, but like I Saw the Light is quite literally the same level the entire movie with absolutely no straying outside the lines of a biopic to the point that it is just a literal flat line it um, is. but
3: i wanted to ask erica before we sort of jump into it what what angle were you coming at this with in terms of like are you like, pro or con Hiddleston? Like, are you into this sort of, like, country music kind of a thing? That's, like, classic country music? Like, what's
1: the what was the hook for you? Or is it just, like, the Oscar narrative of this movie?
2: It was, honestly, the Oscar narrative of this movie because, you know, this was kind of the year... Well, around this time, this was when Tom Hiddleston was really, like, yes. in everyone's mouths. Like, you know, he had, you know, the Avengers, and he was Loki, and everyone just loved him as Loki, and he was kind of, like the air Net's boyfriend. He had that star quality that everyone was like, Ooh, who's this, this, this trained actor, but also he's, he's funny, he's charming. Um, and, you know, he was so beloved. And also, you know, there was those whispers himping him being James Bond, like that was, a, that point was when he was really like on his game. And so when this movie came along, when it was first announced, you know, as usual be like, Oh, this is it. This is the, the role that's really going to, accelerate him into, you know, the pantheon of, you know, stardom. Like this is a, a role that's outside of his comfort zone because he's British. Um, he has to play a country music icon. And it felt like they were really like, like kind of propping him up to be this, this really amazing Oscar contender. And then as you guys know, when it started <laughs> going to the festival circuit and it just slowly died and um I don't know if I'm the only one, I I will talk about this later, I'm sure, but, you know, it kind of, it's unfortunate because I think he does a really good job, like, he's doing his best, truly, I feel, but it's just unfortunate the film didn't really give him a lot to do with, and unfortunately, it kind of blew his chances out the water, because this movie is just so, as you said, flatline, like, it's very flat, it absolutely, it absolutely
1: it cratered so bad. This movie had a Thanksgiving release date originally in 2015 and it right. cratered so bad. They pushed it into the next year. But then I remember and... even in 2016, like when globe nomination predictions were coming around, people like whenever of course the musical or comedy predictions force people into like thinking outside of the box, people were still saying, "Well, maybe Tom Hiddleston" But, like, yeah, this movie was, if not toxic, it was, like, dry toxic. (laughs) So
3: I want to, like, lay out the timeline for it, though, because so it premieres in Toronto at the Toronto Film Festival on, I want to get the date, September, September 11th, 2015 on October 16th. So like 1 month and 5 days after is when it gets pulled from its original release date. So any pictures classics pulls it from November and moves it to March 2016. Like it was that quickly of just like the the verdict had been rendered. I was at uh TIFF that year and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but like I would remember being at a screening for a different movie that day and i was supposed to see i saw the light either like later that day or the next morning i can't remember but some people who were uh at this screening had just seen uh i saw the light that morning and so this was like the next movie they were seeing and before this movie started they were just like loudly loudly talking about how terrible it was and about how just, like, it's, like, irredeemably bad, and, like, they didn't even like Hiddleston and Elizabeth Olsen, and, like, if you look at, like, when the movie did get released, like, the reviews were pretty kind to Hiddleston, and, and sort of mixed for Olsen, but the, it was it was very much, like, the verdict... Was rendered immediately and it got around to like not only that this is a bad movie but like this isn 't a movie you need to see because it 's not going to be it 's not going to factor into the oscar race it 's not going to be something that is like important for you to have seen and of course, tiff is such a like your schedules are like hanging by a thread as it is it 's everybody 's labor like, like white knuckling it to make sure they can see as much as they can see so in my head, I was just like okay well that 's one less thing I have to see. let me see what else I can slot in to that time slot and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people did too and I think I mentioned this when we mentioned Suburbicon because Suburbicon was the same thing where it was just like sucks that that movie's not good but like good news for me because now I can see this other thing that maybe I wasn't going to be able to see
1: yeah that's how it goes at TIFF indeed we should talk, I, I before we get into the movie, whenever we have a guest, we always like to talk our Oscar history with our guests, and Erica, oh, yeah. I'm sure that your Oscar history does have a lot to do with Tiff, It at least has, <laughs> that is at least our shared history, in that when i think what was the movie was it burning where it was i basically burning. like i hopped over joe basically <laughs> kicking him in the face to like go greet you and say hi
2: and i was so excited because those things are so- it's so hard because you you interact with these people online, and you talk. And you have these really engaging conversations, but then you, you you're in these kind of public, you know, spaces, especially at TIFF or you're in press screenings, and you're like, I don't know if that's you, and it's kind of like, I? but I and I don't, I'm so bad faced. I'm like, I can't, I don't know who's who. But I was so <laughs> happy when I saw you. I was like, oh my gosh! And then you know, we had we saw Burning, and then we we chatted and had. Uh, crepes afterwards um uh, Toronto uh,
0: crepes Toronto that crepe place it was oh, so good I can't wait to go back <laughs>
2: um but yeah no it's it's true uh oh so so tell was... us
1: a little bit about like your Oscar history do you have like a certain like what movie or Oscar year got you really into the Oscars
2: um so first of all I love this question because I feel like we're in this big sphere where we're, do- we're always talking about movies but we never think about what was the first like a award show that really like kicked off our interest, um, so I had to really dig deep and like go through Google and figure that out. <laughs> um, but I think I pinned it to um, the 2004 um, seventy six annual Academy Awards when it was uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Um,
1: we just did a mini series on that and year. And you just did a
2: mini series, which I loved. Um, yeah, it was. I think I was about twelve years old when that um, happened and uh i was a huge lord of the riggs fan absolutely loved it and so i was emotionally invested (laughs) into it getting all the awards because i was like in me it's just too good to not get anything and also that was the year that pirates of the caribbean came out and at the time Mm -hmm. i was again it was that cultural zeitgeist of everyone loving pirates of the caribbean so with giant depth being nominated you know, I, I had I, the interest was there. Like I had a lot of different mm-hmm. points, um, not to the point where I knew a lot, but that was the first time that I actually invested in watching the show and not like the pre red carpet, E online, e, yeah. you know, like that where my mom would watch it and talk to my aunt about it. And they would, you know, critique these dresses. But that was the first year that I actually invested in watching it. And then from then on, I would, you know, watch it, not, not seeing the films, but being very interested. Um, But I think my I think when I really started taking it seriously was um, the 84th Academy Awards that was in 2012 with um, the artist um, that just swept uh, all the awards um, because I was going to film school. And yeah. I I was like, you know what, let me actually start taking this seriously. <laughs> let me start actually watching these films that our people love and kind of getting into you know the nitty gritty of this industry. And that was when I started, you know, really, you know, reading articles and forums and, you know, all these experts and learning about, you know, the crux of how these things go um you know i would wake up at the butt crack of dawn to listen to the nominations i never used to do before um but that was when i started really investing my time and energy into learning um how the industry works in way of the academy awards and how it's a progress like the
1: whole campaigning process and exactly. everything exactly
2: yeah and i mean then when i was in college you know that's when i started you know getting my my way into you know press screenings i finesse my way um into press screenings all the time and i would actually watch these films that were you know doing their academy campaigning and listening to his directors. so i think it really started in 2012 for me just purely based on the fact that i started to really um, begin my my love for film right
1: now. Yeah, and understanding, like, the microcosm of Oscar, too. That's an interesting year to bring up, too, because, and I say this not knowing how either of you feel about the artist, but, like, (laughs) if there was ever, like, a lesson in here's how you campaign to get an Oscar, the artist is a perfect example of that for a movie that has absolutely, like, no to minimal cultural imprint What's That was the yeah. year
2: that I really, that's when I really discovered that, oh, it's not based on if it's the best movie or not. Like that was yeah. kind of when the when the, you know, the curtain went up and I saw it, what it really was. It was like, oh, this isn't about like the best movie. It's about, you know, time, energy, campaigning. And the arts is a perfect example because again, it got um, Jean Dujardin his Oscar and you know, I can argue for the fact that I maybe wasn't, you know, the best performance, but it's really crazy how much they pushed that film.
1: Yeah, and like how it it checked off some boxes, but like where were the like horde of people that were actually passionate about that movie? And then you also talk... go ahead, Joe.
3: I was just gonna say there's there's a mystique around I mean, again, the usual caveats about Harvey Weinstein, he sucks. We don't like to give him credit for things but like he has that sort of that miramax mystique around sort of creating a oscar winner out of out of things like you know a smart campaign or sort of sometimes strong arm tactics or sometimes just sort of like being more aware of the oscars as a game than other studios were and you didn't really have as many instances of that once the weinstein company became their uh Base of Operations, I think The Artist is the one movie at the top of that list that, like, this was probably the Weinstein Company's best Oscar success in terms of not only just, like, winning, but such an unlikely winner if you would have looked at things ahead of time. Yeah. They just sort of, like, capitalized on that buzz out of Cannes, which, like, Cannes not normally it's not the Oscar bellwether that sometimes we would hope it is. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's really, you know, expecting year in year out for the, for the Palm door winner to be an Oscar favorite. Nobody really, you know, we all understand that like, you know, art film is art film and what goes over well uh, at Cannes doesn't necessarily translate to Oscar, but like that really just sort of harnessed you know, they knew what they had in that movie. So. It could
1: be an interesting year for the Cannes conversation, however, because Parasite seems to really have gone over very strongly with a certain crowd that there's some suggestion that that could translate into, like, a screenplay nomination or a director nomination. Maybe. I'd really have to see it, because, like, yeah. just knowing... You knowing know, nothing just... about the movie, too. Because right, just like, constantly... I've seen
3: Snowpiercer. Like, just knowing that, like, that's, it's such an odd notion that he that he would translate well to oscar voters but
1: we will see we shall see i also like erica before we move on to the movie how you mentioned lord of the rings because we we didn't really hint we didn't talk about this in our mini series but like whenever we've had guests we always talk about the titanic year as kind of the one that like creates like a big at least for a certain generation, like an interest in the Oscars. Mm -hmm. And I think that Lord of the Rings was that as well.
2: Yeah, it was definitely for me, for my, I guess, for my age bracket, it was probably, I always say this, I got my first film lesson from Lord of the Rings. I think subconsciously that film really, you know, planned the seed for me with my love for cinema. Just, you know, the hours and the care and the dedication and just how, beautiful those films were it was a huge deal for me as a kid just watching those films um and i'm sure if you talk to anyone around my age for, my age bracket i'm sure they'll say the same thing um but yeah absolutely i feel like that is truly my titanic now that i think about it um <laughs> I, I i was i was mad young when titanic came out and i was not allowed to watch it so i always feel <laughs> kind of out, out of the loop would be like oh yeah i saw in the theaters i'm like i was like on a playground, but uh, <laughs> so I. But I. But again, I. I. Th- I truly feel like yeah, Lord of the Rings was definitely the the big one for me personally because that was the one where people got probably that and I guess the Harry Potter films if we really want to think about that. But Lord of the Rings definitely up there, truly.
1: I think for a certain Oscar watcher that is that for a certain number of Oscar watchers that is definitely one that truly mobilized a lot of people to be passionate about the Oscars. However, we, today, are talking about a movie that mobilized exactly no one towards the Oscars. It's I Saw the Light, a biopic about Hank Williams, written and directed by Mark Abraham, who, um, only other directing credit is another This Had Oscar Bus title, uh, Flash of Genius, starring Greg Kinnear. Joe, we should maybe do that movie, especially when we need, like, a deep-cut movie. It's definitely on a list somewhere, I'm pretty sure. Um, But yes, the movie stars Tom Hiddleston and Elizabeth Elizabeth Olsen, both off of Avenger duty, though this was the year that she became an Avenger. There's also Bradley Whitford and Weirdly Cherry Jones. Um, As we mentioned, the movie debuted at TIFF in 2015 and then was pushed into the spring of 2016. Erica... Are you ready to give us a 60-second plot description? Whew,
2: yes. You know what? I feel like this is going to be very simple because this movie is very <laughs> simple. So we'll see how it goes.
1: All right. If you are ready, I will start the clock. Are you ready? ready? I'm ready. All right. Your time starts now.
2: So I Saw the Light is a biopic of country singer Hank Williams, a person who is said to have been the inspiration for artists such as Elvis Presley and Bob Dylan, Uh, The film stars Tom Hiddleston as Williams, as well as Elizabeth Olsen, who plays his wife, Audrey. The film starts at the beginning of Williams' very short career. He's newly engaged to Audrey. He's singing and playing at local bars and a radio station. However, Hank has goals and dreams, and he wants to play at the iconic Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. As he hustles and grinds to make it a name for himself, he, his alcoholism, womanizing, and drug use sets him back. After a stint in rehab, he returns with a string of successful songs, and he later makes it to the Grand Ole Opry. However, old habits die hard, and the decadence of success sends him into a drug and alcohol-fueled spiral, which torpedoes his relationship with Audrey and later his relationship with the Grand Ole Opry. With health ailments greatly affecting him, seconds. the film ends with Hank passing away at the age of 29. The end
1: ooh with five seconds to spare Whew. and I, you did a not to say you didn't do a wonderful job but I am not surprised that you got done with that plot description early
0: you know what yeah. I actually
2: had I i had this written down and I was like is there any way I can make this more interesting and it's like <laughs> I, I can't because that's you literally know. it
1: you did more creative lifting than Mark Abraham did because you asked the question, is there any way I can make this more interesting A right. <laughs> that they never asked. At never. The time.
3: And even, even with that, there's, there seems to be so much room in this movie for repetition. I feel like the, the, the plot points that we get, get really like underlined and triplicate. There's, mm-hmm. I, it feels like Elizabeth Olsen tells him she's leaving him. Like, 12 times in the movie and like I get that like in real life that kind of thing you know relationships sort of you know break up and break up again I get it but like in a movie it really isn't all that interesting to watch and especially in a movie I don't know if you guys felt the same way but like this movie despises her character Yeah, really, like, really sells her out at every moment and I like Elizabeth Olsen so much and it's and I think she's doing probably as well as she can but like that character just really gets sold out at every opportunity Absolutely. i was
2: watch, I was watching an interview i was trying to do some research and i was watching an interview with, with olsen and they were t- and someone was like talking about how about the character and she was like yeah i was doing my research and pretty much everyone hated her and so i was trying to find a way to give her some humanity and some sympathy and i was like yeah i get it but also this film does not does not paint her well at all. And I'm really surprised, truly, how much they focus on her as a character because, I don't know, they focus so much on his personal life and it's like, you don't even, this film doesn't even like this character. I don't know why we're being so focused on this one character.
1: It's also like, I mean, it It read to me very much of someone who loves Hank Williams. It was one of two things. It's either, I love Hank Williams, so I want to honor him by making a movie, but not realizing that he doesn't have a very interesting life. Or it's like... You know when you're doing, like, the third grade, like, report on different countries of the world, and, like, you really, really want to get France, or you really, really want to get, like, you really, yeah. really want to get Japan or the something, and you end up getting, like, I don't even know, you end up getting, like, Sweden, so it's, like, you you're just like, well, fuck, I guess this is what I have to talk <laughs> about. I don't really know what to make interesting about this, you know?
2: Right. You know what? It's really interesting. I was talking to my friends about biopics because I think everyone has a person that they is like, oh, you should, oh, should a biopic, biopic. And I'm on the umbrella that not everyone warrants a biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's just my feeling. Not everyone has interesting lives. Um, mm-hmm. However, I said, if you're going to do a biopic at least make it make me care like make me as the viewer care about this person it could be you know the most boring mundane life however i need to feel something for this person for you know when something happens like for example if someone dies at the untimely death of 29 i should give i should care um and 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 yet it's like you know especially for this film it's like i I guess we're going to talk later about you know whether hank williams is a someone who should be (laughs) you know, a legendary subject, but, um, I'm not a country music fan. Um, I, that's not my lane. I have no (laughs) opinions on whether he should have a biopic or not. Um, however, you know, he he was a huge influence in country music. So, you know, there's that. And I'm like, okay, well, they wrote a whole entire book about this guy. So there must be something that, you know, can warrant that like something. And yet this film does not translate at all.
1: I think part of what it is, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit in terms of, like, is it worth a biopic? He didn't really have, at least as the movie tells it, an interesting life. Like, what his actual creative impact was wasn't until even after his death. You know, the way he influenced other artists was maybe more interesting than the way he lived his life, which, as Joe, you pointed out, is very repetitious and, like... There's also no real like emotional arc to this movie. It stays very one note on the same level, right. where so this many scenes pitfall. are indistinguishable from each other.
3: It's the danger of doing a biopic about somebody who dies at 29. Like sometimes not enough happens. Like it is, it's a tragedy, obviously, but right. like um, not enough. Which and it's it's funny, I, Erica. I love this idea that like not everybody deserves a biopic, and you, I, 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 I'm pitching this. To you guys in the universe, which is Ryan Murphy just semi recently signed with Netflix for to do new shows for Netflix. What about like American biopic story where it's just an anthology where like each person that they cover on this gets an hour. Yes, they get one hour in an anthology series, and it's just an hour on a different person each time, and it's like played by either Sarah Paulson or Evan Peters or whoever. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's just like. And that's the size of it.
2: I, you know what? I was actually going to mention that. I would say, you know what? I say, you know, not everyone warrants a biopic. And then I was going to say, not everyone warrants a theatrical biopic. Meaning you can do like a, like a mini series. You don't have to do a full feature. Because again, not everyone has the content to fill up an entire feature film. Mm, it, yeah. it can only be like maybe an hour or like a 30 minutes. Like, I, I think that can work absolutely as well. No, I, I agree completely.
1: My and counterpoint yet- to this, however, is that if that was truly a Ryan Murphy show, he would be giving us artists that we already have great movies about, like Tina Turner. Ooh.
3: That is true. Or he'd be giving us, like, Grace Jones. You know what I mean? Like, there's, Ooh, I think there's yeah. still... I think there's a lot of people. I think it's so funny that you say Tina Turner because uh, What's Love Got To Do With It was on HBO the other day, and I watched most of it. That is
1: a cancel plans movie. I will flat
0: out cancel plans. Okay,
3: here's what I want to throw out because I think she's phenomenal, and I think Fishburne is phenomenal. Right. I don't know how I feel about that as a movie. I watched it again, and I'm just like, there is some, like, (laughs) there is some melodrama in this movie, which, like, obviously. But, like that scene where she's running from um, the hotel to the other hotel, to the Ramada, where um, she asks, it's the greatest scene in the movie. Yes, exactly, which is, like, iconic. But the music cue as she's running is very, like, mid-90s Melrose Place, in a way that, like... (laughs) I, because it was like made if,
0: in, the mid, in the early 90s.
3: Sure, I mean, sure. But, but what I'm saying is, like, I think even the best of these movies sort of really, really hang on performance, maybe above everything. But I actually just really quickly, and then I'll let other people talk, I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, well, well, you had mentioned that, like, not sure where, you know, not knowing country music and not knowing sort of, you know who has the sort of place of prominence whatever i think in terms of why this movie had oscar buzz i think the thing with country artists is those biopics tend to do really well with oscar Mm -hmm. historically when you think Mm -hmm. of like coal miners daughter Um, wins the Oscar for Sissy Spacek. Walk the line, which is like clearly the inspiration for this movie. Absolutely, what they were going for.
2: I watched that. I watched. I actually watched Walk the Line this morning just so I can have like a reference point because I needed. I was like, I need to watch a film that that quote unquote did it right. And I was watching it, and I was like, oh my god! If you did a side by side comparison of these two films, I could literally like each scene like okay this scene they did that did that yep the the cold sweats in bed yep did that drug <laughs> withdrawals yep did that the intimate scene where they're lying in bed and she's in like a negligee and he's talking about music check did that like it was like like literally like the the blueprint for this film truly
3: and it's an and even after like um coal miner's daughter there was that jessica lang movie where i always thought it was funny that like coal miner's daughter it's sissy spacek as loretta lynn and then her mentor in that movie is beverly d'angelo playing patsy klein and then in sweet dreams it's um it's jessica lang playing patsy klein it almost feels like the sort of like russian nesting doll of just like you know uh well you know in a different movie we'll sort of like move up the line in terms of uh you know, country singers and their mentors. And yeah, I don't know. yeah.
1: You're right about the genre, at least the genre of music in terms of Oscar, because even fictional things like Crazy Heart still register. Yeah,
3: yeah. and wasn't
1: Tender Mercies the um, Robert Duvall win? Wasn't that a country star fictional?
3: I think that's right. And also, I mean, a star is born. If a star yeah. is born doesn't have that that country base, I don't know if. Um, I don't know if the uh, the academy goes for it even if to it was the, true like rock and roll.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, or even if it was just like a pop star and like an R and B star or something like that. Yeah. Like I feel like there's something to do with country that feels very much
1: like I don't know. It's, authentic it's, maybe or glitty. yeah maybe <laughs> or capital A authentic in that like that's how they perceive it. Even if right. it's that's not. what it should be. It's nothing it's that... about this movie is authentic.
3: <laughs> yes, it, it's that kind of thing where. You imagine that voters are just like, well this this feels like it's, you know, real. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, <laughs> this isn't my experience, but this feels like, you know, real America, yeah, right? It's like America. The
1: Yeehaw drag. That the yeah. Oscar kind of, goes yeah. For.
2: Yeehaw drag.
1: Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I also am not much of a... I mean, like, let's be real here. I'm a gay man. I will listen to girl country all day long. (laughs) I will fly away on a sin wagon. Trust and believe. Um, But, like, male country artists are not for me. Like, Hank Williams, like, the only... The only thing I know of Hank Williams before this movie was I'm So Lonesome I Can Cry, and that's because it is crucial to the plot of the film of the Beverly Hillbillies, which wow. also features Dolly Parton singing that song to oh. Jim Varney. Wow. I Okay,
3: can I tell you, I saw that movie in a theater with my dad. My dad and I went and saw. He took me to go see the Beverly Hillbillies. I was maybe 12, and we laughed our asses off at oh, that movie. Oh, we loved it. And I still, I don't remember anything about that movie, except for the fact that my dad and I cracked the fuck up watching the beverly hillbillies i can't imagine watching it now that there's anything i would find funny in that but it's just like you know place some time place in time the thing that i knew about hank williams going into this movie still was that his son hank williams jr sang the theme song to monday night football like that was wait really yeah they, he did uh he had a song called all my rowdy friends are coming over tonight. And then for a long time, he they did a version of that called All My Rowdy Friends Are Here on Monday Night or something like that. And like that was what they used as the theme song to Monday Night Football for like fifteen years. Wow. Jeez.
1: My other yes. Hank Williams reference which drove me slowly insane until I realized what it was at the beginning of this movie, this opening shot that the uh or not the opening shot, but the credits are playing over this shot of like a spot a smoky spotlight on Tom Hiddleston singing and like the camera swirling around him this song it was driving me insane because i could i knew that i knew the song but i didn't know the song if you understand what i'm saying and by the end i realized nora jones covered it on (gasps) away with me oh my gosh Ah. she did
0: oh my god
2: that's what you know what it was bothering (laughs) me too and that's it you thank you i was it it was low-key bothering me like where have i that's it yes
3: Which song are we talking about? Cold, Cold Heart. Amazing. That's amazing.
1: Thank you, Nora.
2: So yeah, you guys know more than I do. So congratulations, (laughs) truly. Like, like at least you had some reference. I had none.
1: I mean, I had possibly the gayest possible references (laughs) into the very heterosexual Hank Williams.
2: I love it. Okay, so
1: perhaps before we at least put a button on the musical biopic conversation i have a game for both of you we're going to have a challenge this is going to be similar to what we did in our rendition game where joe challenged me to name the movie based off of the plot description what i'm going to do rather than have this like family feud style where you guys have to jump in i'm going to challenge you one at a time to see who can win the most correct guesses of the of musical biopic titles just from their plot description on IMDb. Oh my okay. gosh! Okay, we're gonna start easy and we're gonna go hard. We're gonna go. Uh, I have my list here. Mm-hmm. Who would like to go first between you?
0: Um,
1: Erica, would you I, like to go first? I was gonna second? say Erica's. <laughs> guest. <It's> Erica <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm
2: like like to like. Mm, I'll go first. Here, sure, go ahead. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. <clears throat> if we are ready, your first round. You have to name the title of this movie. Again, all band names and uh, artist names will be redacted. Oh, okay. All right. First one this is the story of the legendary rock band Name Redacted and lead singer Name Redacted leading up to their famous performance at Live Aid.
2: Ooh, hmm, I wonder. Uh, that would be uh, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, that is Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody,
1: one point for you, Joseph. Yes. This is the story of the life and career of the legendary rhythm and blues musician Name Redacted from his humble beginnings in the South, where he went blind at the age of seven mm-hmm. to his meteoric rise to stardom in the 50s and 60s.
3: The seminal Taylor Hackford film, Ray.
1: Ray. All right. So you both are starting out good. I left it a little easy for you. In the Thank beginning. you. Yeah, this, I appreciate going, it. Let us get some confidence.
2: Yeah, it's going to go downhill after this, I'm sure, for <laughs> yeah. me.
1: All right, Erica, your second one is the true story of Name Redacted, a Texas-born Tejano singer who rose from cult status to performing at the Astrodome, as well as having chart-topping albums on the Latin music charts.
2: Ah, yes, Long Live Selena. Yes.
1: Yes. (laughs) No respect to Yolanda. Oh, Um, no, (laughs)
2: none, (laughs) none.
1: Uh, Joseph, your next title is a chronicle of country music legend Name Redacted's life uh, from his early days on the Arkansas cotton farm to his rise to fame with Sun records in Memphis where he recorded alongside name redacted name redacted and name redacted
3: wait can I get that one more time sorry
1: uh i'll I'll do it without redacting the last ones how about that okay uh because that's not really no 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 you don't it have to like who just, I just not
3: just I just want to hear the actual like okay. the story again
1: a chronicle of country music legend, name redacted's life, from his early days on the Arkansas Cotton Farm to his rise to fame with Sun Records in Memphis, where he recorded... Oh! Uh, yes? Alright, yes. The no, will Memphis, kind of. Where he recorded alongside Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Carl Perkins. I was going to say
3: Jerry Lee Lewis. I was going to say Great Balls of Fire. So now I have no idea. Um...
1: Remember, we're starting out easy.
3: Yeah, I know. And this is really bad. Um, I'm trying to remember other... This is my country blindness,
1: too. Um, I don't know erica would you like to steal a guess
2: i will only only purely because i watched it this morning um is it walk the line johnny it is
3: walk the line why doesn't walk the line have june as part of the (laughs) the description this reese witherspoon erasure will not stand it
1: will not stand we won't Um, accept it i
3: totally did not expect walk the line to have any to to not be about their relationship
1: okay fine well fine i am here on out it gets harder
3: you misogynists. <laughs> All right,
1: Erica, with your extra bonus point, we are moving back to you. Um, this one is the story of four young men from the wrong side of the tracks in New Jersey who came together to form an iconic 1960s group, Band Name Redacted.
2: Okay, so it's definitely Jersey Boys. And, and it's Jersey
1: Boys. Nice.
2: Oh, God. Um, sunny... And the Four Seasons, or uh,
1: Rick? Is uh, uh, it Ricky and the Four Seasons? Uh, Frankie so, and the Four Seasons. Frankie. Frankie Valli.
2: <laughs> I'm like, which Italian name in the Four Seasons? Something like that. Yeah. Tony Soprano the or the season? Sopranos. Anthony, yeah. Mark Anthony. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Cacciatore in the Four Seasons. <laughs> Joseph, back to yes. you. All right. In the 1960s, band name redacted, leader name redacted struggles with emerging psychosis as he attempts to craft his avant-garde pop masterpiece in the 1980s he is broken a broken confused man under the 24-hour watch of shady therapist name redacted
3: oh oh i thought it was one thing and maybe it's not shoot
1: we should definitely cover this movie i love this movie
3: is it control
1: no, it is not Shit. control, Erica. Do you have a guess that you would like to steal a point from?
2: Could you please uh say it again one more time?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. In
3: the night. Oh, I know what it is now. Damn it. Okay. Are you yes. going to okay. take it back? No, 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 no. Erica deserves no,
2: no, to, no, no, to steal it. No, this. no, no. No, go ahead. Truly. You no, go it, ahead. Say it. <laughs> give it to give you.
1: <laughs> it, is it Love and Mercy? It is Love and Mercy. Okay. All right. The wonderful yeah. film Love and Mercy. All right, Erica, back to you. Uh, the plot description of this is simply chronicles the rise of Chess Records and its recording ar- artists. Oh, that's it. <laughs> yes, that is it.
2: Oh my God! Uh, chronicles
1: it- the rise of Chess Records and its recording artists.
2: Chess Records and their recording. So it's multiple storylines. It's not. Oh. Uh
1: i will say it's multiple artists but it, i would still categorize this as a music biopic
2: as a music biopic
1: um definitely had oscar buzz
2: definitely had oscar buzz oh god i have mm, oh oh i'm so hesitant to say this because i'm no i, I think, think if you
3: i think if you have a guess i think your guess is going to be right i
2: don't well. think it's right though but i'm i'm going to okay say that say that say it one more time so i can
1: chronicles the rise of chess records and its recording artists
2: i really don't think this is right but i'm going is it dream girls
1: it is not dream girls yeah. joseph would you like to steal a point does it share a star with dream girls I will allow that and say yes. Okay, is it Cadillac Records? It is Cadillac oh, Records. Yeah. Okay.
3: I was like, wait a second, but isn't it called Cadillac Records? And I'm thinking, like, no, they all got to buy Cadillacs I, okay. because yeah. they were so successful.
1: Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right, so, Joseph, back to you. A chronicle of Name Redacted's rise from extreme poverty to become one of the most influential musicians in history. Uh-huh.
2: That's that's a lot of people.
1: That's a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> that's like wait,
2: all that. Uh. That's a lot of them.
3: Um,
1: I'm not ready to give you another hint, at least until Erica would get it wrong, since I allowed. No, that's comments.
3: that's only fair. Um, I'm just gonna keep guessing
1: great balls of fire until it it is that. It is not great balls of fire. Damn it, Erica, would you like to steal a point?
2: Extreme poverty to oh my god, that's I'm like. That's the best like the, the, the I was going to
1: say like walk hard. Like what's
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do we Cox? Do we Cox walk hard? Um
1: No, these are all actual biopics. Actual <laughs> people.
0: Oof.
2: God, didn't
1: I will say we have semi recently done a episode on uh one of this director's other films.
0: Mm. Ooh.
2: And I think I might have listened to that episode. Too. Is it an Oliver Stone joint? Um, it is
1: not an Oliver Stone
2: okay. joint. Okay. I'm like, cause he likes, he likes me. I'm like, maybe he likes, cause he's like, yeah. Um
1: <laughs> I actually did not put the doors on here as an option.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. I don't know. I'm blanking. I'm really am.
1: All right. Then I will throw out the hint back to both of you this director who we recently did an episode on one of his films currently has a film playing in theaters. Joseph. Yes,
3: wait, I'm trying to go through who's that. <laughs> I'm like who's theaters? Simon Kinberg?
1: Um, not a not <laughs> a, a director that we love. Oh. Okay.
2: Ooh, uh psh, that
1: I will say, have we done? We have had this genre of music. Um, I will say the lead actor is one that we love, and he—I think he gives a good performance in this movie. He is it Guy
3: Ritchie? Is that not Guy Ritchie?
1: This actor was the uh, title role of a recent Best Picture nominee. Oh. Kill him. Oh God! I think people have fully oh, forgotten God. that this movie even happened, particularly I... even for this actor, even though he's really good. He's really good. He was playing oh. someone who was not high, but high off of God. If you remember that notorious interview. Oh. wait.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, the title wait.
1: of the movie is one of his songs.
0: Wait, <laughs>
3: what is one of his songs?
1: It's the title of the movie. It's
3: how the, the movie it's one of his songs. Oh
2: wow it's like uh, I think you're just going to
1: have to give this to in us. a supporting role was an <laughs> actress who actually two actresses who were Oscar nominated for the previous film from this director they were not Oscar nominated for this movie no one was Oscar nominated for this
3: movie I'm super in the weeds
2: I, I feel like I'm overthinking it and I'm going to be really I, mad
3: once I, once I'm going t-
1: to just give you guys the answer yes. it is Tate Taylor's get on up
3: Fully during forgot home. that movie even wow. happened. Right.
1: Oh, y-
2: oh, wow! Right. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, I think that was that was that was during my um, Chad Bozeman biopic fatigue. So I think I was. <laughs> yes. Kinda, I key I think we all
3: settled into that at some point or another. I,
2: yeah. Oh, that's wow. That that says a lot to me about the fact that I could not even.
1: For a what summer movie. What best picture
2: nominee was he in?
1: Black Panther. Black Panther. Fuck wow the titular Ooh. character yes. of black
3: Panther. you're right the titular black panther My it's so funny that's the degree to which i think of everybody else in black panther before chadwick boseman is very strange i'm like oh the michael b jordan movie with denai guerrera and <laughs> uh and angela bassett and lupita nyongo like there's yeah i something love that
2: to say about that honestly i feel it's like another conversation but there's really something to say about the fact that when i think of black panther i think about all the supporting characters and then yeah. Chadwick Boseman. Um, and he's not bad. He's no, good. He's like, I, I quite Some of him. that
1: to the extent is that we were already introduced to Black Panther. In I think the Civil that's right. War, And he yes. got to be like the best character of Civil War True. already. So like, yeah. When Black Panther arrived, we got to be excited about everybody else who was new to yeah. us. okay these last two are fully evil so we'll go a little faster okay (laughs) okay Okay. god uh think along the lines of similar forgotten movies if you guys can get into this okay (laughs) okay Okay. Uh, erica your final round is a drama based on name redacted's life as he left new york city for london where his career took off
2: oh my god Oh, I'm so mad because I think I know exactly what it is, and it's going—I'm going to be so angry because I can't. I remember—I see scenes, and I know what it is. Oh God!
1: Can you remember the artist?
2: No, that's—that's that's, was annoying. Thing. I can't remember <laughs> the artist. I—I—I I, I, I remember the scene specifically. Oh, this is going to make me so mad!
1: What genre
3: of music?
2: Isn't it like rock?
1: It is a rock and roll movie.
2: Oh, let's see.
1: It is t- also directed by a um, Oscar winner for screenplay.
2: An Oscar hmm. winner for screenplay.
3: Recent or like a while ago. Right. Recent
1: to this movie, like same like year or so.
3: Interesting. Uh,
1: with a musical artist playing this musical artist.
2: Oh my god! This is going to make me so angry.
3: That was the screenplay winner. In the screenplay winner a musical artist played
1: no the screenplay winner wrote and directed this biopic the uh famous artist uh being portrayed in the film is played by another famous, art- famous artist,
2: artist.
0: Mm,
1: i see
2: this is going to get on my apps oh wait ooh, ooh! ooh. <laughs> Do you ooh, have ooh, ooh i you Do know you what? Have the artist is it andre 3000 playing Jimi hendrix
1: Yes, it is. You know the name of the movie.
2: (laughs) Wow, my brain was like frying. I was like, wait, Erica, you know this. You know this. Wow, that is so obscure because no one saw that.
1: Wow. (laughs) Well, you saw it apparently. (laughs) It is Jimmy, all is by my side. I was going to say it's all something, something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Last one for you, Joe. Yes. (laughs) I'm glad this is the last one for you because I get to be evil to you. The log line for this movie or the plot line on IMDb for this movie is an exploration of the life and music of Name Redacted. Oh, fuck off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That is so rude.
1: Uh, This movie, I believe, debuted at the same TIFF as the movie we're talking about. No, it did not. It debuted at New York shortly after. Um, I think it didn't have a distributor, but it was released wide in 2016.
3: What's the genre of music?
1: Um, Jazz. Oh, okay.
3: here's why I'm going to have a good educated guess at this, because two reviews of I Saw the Light, I was going through the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, fully two of them did a review of that movie in triptych with two other music biopics because they were all getting released at the same time. Perhaps because this is also
1: uh, distributed by Sony Classics.
3: So this is either the Chet Baker one or the Miles Davis one. And I want to say it's the Miles Davis one. It's Miles Ahead, the Miles Miles Davis Ahead. One. Yeah, yeah, because that was at New York, yes.
1: Because they rele- Sony Classics released it in the same like two-week span as it did I Saw the Light.
3: And then the Chet Baker one with Ethan Hawke is called
1: Born uh, to be Blue? Born to be Blue. Born to be Blue, right. not a great movie. Incredible performances by Ethan Hawke and Carmen Ejogo. Yes. Um, well, I will however, say for
3: his... That was really evil, Chris. (laughs) It was slightly
1: less evil than your War on Terror movies that you gave me in our rendition episode. However, we have a winner. We Five against four. It's Erica Mann. That is amazing.
2: Truly. I was like, I'm not going to get one of those things. So that feels really good. Thank you.
1: Okay, can we take it back a little bit because we ended on someone in the MCU, Don Cheadle playing Miles Davis, currently yes. in the MCU. Let's talk a l can we talk a little bit about like Avengers and Oscar? Because we have two Avengers in this
0: movie.
3: I want to talk about these two characters anyway or these two actors, so yes. I think specifically Hiddleston, I just want to sort of like touch on his kind of rise because he's somebody who has these, like, two or three really high spikes in his career, right? Where it's, like, 2011 happens, he's in Thor. I hadn't seen him in anything else before Thor. I know he had been in, like, some... A lot of... Or a good deal of TV. I imagine it was British TV. But, like, Thor is the first thing I ever see him in. And I remember... It being a little bit before, I I think it was maybe like a week or two after I saw Thor, because like Hemsworth is the story in Thor. He's like, you know, he's, you know, this big, giant, charismatic sort of like creature and sort of announced himself as a presence with Thor. And then I remember in like a week or two later being like, is everybody else's favorite performance in Thor-Loki? Like, does everybody else love Loki like I love Loki? And it's, like, people sort of, like, poked out of the woodwork and, like, me too, me too, me too. And all of a sudden, and then 2011, he's also in Midnight in Paris. He plays F. Scott Fitzgerald in Midnight in Paris, which, like, that is not a movie I like, but, like, there are three or four things in that movie that I love. And one of them is... Him and Alison Pill as F. Scott and As Zelda the Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald. Yeah. And, Corey and Corey
2: Stoll. Corey Stoll is the <laughs> other one, yes. Yeah. Corey Stoll
3: as Hemingway is
1: great. Uh, I also
3: seven. weirdly kind of love Adrian Brody as Salvador Dali. <laughs> as, like, yeah. That's yes,
1: a little bit less sensible. That is like uh, Adrian Brody's Salvador Dali. Is like my inspir my like gross inspiration for my Anya's Varda jokes that I send to Joe, <laughs> <laughs> where it's just like, look at this egregious European uh, stereotype. Yes, <laughs> so yes. Cute. Oh god.
3: Midnight in Paris is a bad movie. I think. I genuinely think. I, I think like all it. the parts with Owen Wilson and Rachel McAdams and like the central plot of that movie, I think, are indefensibly bad. But I think all the little flourishes. Yes. Or a lot of them, at least. Like even like. Kathy Bates is playing, um, is it Gertrude Stein? Who is she playing in that Some, movie?
1: Yeah, something along those lines. I, Bella I, Abzug, someone. of Midnight in Paris was like, all of the things that people talk about how that they love, yeah. I hate in this movie. Yes. And everything that I love about that movie, nobody was talking about.
2: No, one was yeah. talking about. I mean, for me, again, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, I like this movie, and then you're like, well, I don't like... It's like, okay, maybe I don't like the movie as a whole. I just like the performances in it that make it, like, again, the Corey Sting, right. uh, Tom Hiddleston. Actually, uh, that was... I, I want to say that was the performance that put me on... On his on my, my radar for him i was for hiddleston I, for hiddleston yeah weirdly like yeah. i i the loki you know i was i was sort of on tumblr at the time when when thor came out so tumblr <laughs> was a kind of a a, a kind of a, a a nesting spot for people who loved loki and so i always be like like who's this guy like it's like he has least pale like dark hair like what is this and then when i saw midnight in paris i was like oh this is the same actor Okay, yeah. all right, Chameleon. Okay, I see you. Like, this is a Well, really that's cool... the thing.
3: 2011 has, because also that year is the UK release of The Deep Blue Sea. America wouldn't get it until 2012, but that's him and Rachel Weisz in this, like, torrid romance where it's really, really effective. Um, the The sort of story between those two. And then... He's also in War Horse, which I've talked before about how I'm, you know, alone on my branch and loving War Horse. But he specifically... Give Joe Reed a reason <laughs> to defend War Horse oh, well. on the record. And this is a really good one because Tom Hiddleston in War Horse is great. He's and he's okay. great in, like, the exact opposite way of Loki. So I think it, that was sort of thing, the same thing for me with You in Midnight in Paris. I'm just like, the range on this guy. Because he plays a character of, like pure un like unalloyed decency in Warhorse which is like could not be far enough away from trickster god Loki you know what i mean and i was just like that he can sell and he sells it in Warhorse with just like just the look on his face and i'm just like that's wild to me that he can be that charismatic in a character that doesn't do much in Warhorse um but i thought he was fantastic and then the very next Summer is the Avengers, which it surprised me. I don't think I was expecting that movie to, for him to like be the main antagonist of that movie, and the fact that he was, I was like, oh, so everybody in, you know, the Marvel sort of power structure saw what I saw in yeah. Thor, which was the. I like- think
2: they saw how much how popular he was. I remember yeah. like kind of when that the peak of his popularity started, and I think one thing that really drew people was the fact that he was so. He loved the role so much. You have this very distinguished, you know, classically trained actor who is clearly having a ball with his character, really leaning into the campiness of this character and not taking it so seriously. Because, again, it's like, how serious can you take these characters? Because, again, it's superhero. And I remember there's this video, if you guys want on YouTube, of him dressed as Loki. He's going to Hall H at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and literally... The screams. Yes, is it is I have never, and I've talked to you who are there. Like I have never seen anything so surreal as people, the reaction of him as Loki. Um, So I'm sure once they saw that, like, okay, we got to make sure he's like front and center because this is the the person that everyone wants to see.
3: And then it takes a little few seconds for it feels like Hollywood to kind of react to that he has another little like spike in 2013 where thor the dark world happens where he's again a huge part of that um and then only lovers left alive which is the jim jarmusch vampire movie with him and tilda swinton which like great movie i love great that movie. movie
2: oh my god oh. and it's
3: so like unexpected i was never a jim jarmusch person i never sort of like and it, I I think that similar thoughts going into this zombie movie that he's got coming out too, where it's just like I'm still not really a Jarmish person, but like maybe I'll love it like I loved Only Lovers Left Alive because it was just so. I I I and and vampire movies I was even like very much like on the outs from because there were so many of them and I'm just like yeah. I'm so burned out but they did such an interesting job with that conception maybe it's him and, so and Swinton it's so it's, sexy and decadent yes. and
2: delicious and Tilda yes. and Tom have this they have this chemistry where it's like they're these tall slender pale looking people and you're like I don't know if you guys have chemistry because it's kind of like weird and yet when they're together it's like Oh wow. Oh shit. Yeah. You, you guys are yeah, like, like it's it's really it's it's really like hot. Like it really is.
1: Not since uh interview with a vampire. Has there been yes. another vampire movie where <laughs> you're like, you know, I could drink some blood. I could do that. <laughs>
2: yeah. I can I'm down it's, with that. I can do this. It's convincing me.
1: <laughs> that movie also
3: I think I think everybody maybe has a different movie when they think about like how sad they are that that Anton Yelchin died. And I that's the one I tend to go to. It's that and um green room. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like those two. I was just like those are sort of when I think of just the potential with that that kid. That mm-hmm. you know, it's too bad. Um, so I think this then the 2015 Toronto Film Festival, which had not only I saw the light and High Rise, which is the Ben Wheatley
1: movie, um, starring two of the biggest disasters at that TIFF.
0: I
3: I will say I kind of stick up for High Rise. High Rise is very very specific and stylized and not for everybody and I think intentionally off-putting in a lot of ways that was based on the J.G. Ballard movie about the sort of semi-futuristic dystopian uh, high-rise building in England that becomes this microcosm for class strife and it feels it. I, I speaking of Snowpiercer actually I sort of compared the two a little bit and I think I like What high rise is doing with that sort of like metaphor for all of society on one sort of like specific area of geography. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit better, although I think ultimately it doesn't feel fully satisfying. But again, Hiddleston, I think, is great in it and his butt's on display in that movie in a way that. I truly lot appreciate. Of, so. We forget the
1: high-rise naked Tom Hiddleston gifs.
2: It, it, but, honestly, I saw I saw the I saw his butt before I even saw the movie. I was like, it was <laughs> everywhere. I was like,
1: okay, people were doing their jobs. They not? were getting that butt they out. They're like, there. okay, let's good. just
2: have this butt out here first, and we'll just draw yeah. you in with the rest of the plot. It's totally fine. Okay, cool. Uh, but and then
1: that, that same one was year. a TIFF disaster, oh, specifically because it debuted and then they pulled the movie from the festival, like after people had already seen it. Which yeah, what was the deal of. with that? I
3: can't remember. I don't why remember that was. the
1: specific reason cited for it. Like I don't know if it had upset people or something, but like you have to imagine there's way more upsetting things on display elsewhere. Yeah. But like that's just like it just kind of had this like stain on it after that, I guess. But I'm I'm guessing you're mentioning Crimson Peak next, which is a movie I fully love.
3: Crimson Peak is a very divisive movie, but I do feel like because that movie opened, I'm pretty sure it opened wide, right? And it was, and certainly like was hugely advertised, and I think the expectations on it were pretty big. This is, this is actually, this is the movie that I thought would have killed Guillermo del Toro's hopes for ever winning an Oscar, and then his very next movie he does. So, like, right. shows how much I know. But, Both like,
1: movies where people have, like, gross gore damage happening to their face. Like, yeah. he's got a thing for face injury. He
2: does, Cr- yeah.
3: Crimson Peak, I'm looking up its cinema score now, because I feel like that's, like, the recipe for an F cinema score, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, And, like, those movies tend to be kind of my shit because they are really throwing you for a loop in terms of because the the f cinema score means that the movie that you thought you were going to see was really not the movie that you were going to see and now i'm looking this up on the well
1: crimson peak was definitely advertised as like kind of a straight horror movie set within a period but it's more of like this gothic romance well i was was gonna say
3: this is where that meme comes out with like actually it's a gothic romance like because yeah. there was so much of like, like having to correct people on expectations okay yes. cinema score B minus that's way better than I that's thought that's
2: way better yeah you would have thought it was, yeah, you, you thought was maybe, worse because people. the reaction that I got because again I, I loved it but again I think it suffered from just bad marketing where people thought they were going to see this this gory horror movie and they're like wait what's this this love story bullshit like like people were not expecting <laughs> it so I'm really happy to hear that because from the, from the reaction I heard it was like I thought I was going to get some blood. And you did, but it wasn't the kind of stuff that you were going for. But I still love that movie. Yeah. I will stand by that movie 100%. I think it's beautiful. Cool.
3: I think that movie to me is very often uh, a story that's an excuse for a lot of production design, which sounds like a backhanded comment, compliment, but that production design is so good when, I love like, the whole. I love when the whole idea of the movie is just like, it's just a creepy mansion built on blood-red soil. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) all right, I like that. And they're like, we're going to use this to, you know, its greatest effect every once in every chance we get. The other thing I love about Crimson Peak is the whole thing was filmed on uh, either... Studio sets or, like, everything was constructed. But the very beginning of that movie, before they go to Crimson Peak, is set in Buffalo, New York, which is my hometown. And they recreated it so well that I thought they filmed it on location. Because I was like, even in, like, 1880s drag or whatever, early 1900s or wherever the hell, whenever this movie's supposed to take place, I was like, oh, that's recognizably Delaware Avenue to me. Like, that, that they did it that well. So I give the production design super a lot of credit for that.
1: Crimson Peak, though, everything I love about it has nothing to do with Tom Hiddleston. And, like, I don't think that, like, the movie kind of fits weirdly in his narrative because. It's not
3: an actor's movie in any respect, even though I like him and Chastain and Mia Wasakowska mostly, I think, pretty well. But, like, I don't go to that movie and come away and being like, God, the performances are so good
1: so it's like especially for him and like being even the people that love it and like the things they love about it even the performances they might love about it it's not gonna be him so it's like it makes for this really underwhelming 2015 for him which Erica as you pointed out at the top it felt like this was going to be his like arrival year in terms of like prestige roles like Oscar
2: right and then the next
3: year he's in uh, The Night Manager the miniseries The Night Manager which is like Peek tom hiddleston away from marvel right
2: this is like like richard madden like right now richard madden like the bodyguard exactly this is what tom like like this is where he is right now this is well and it's so funny
3: because both of them are doing the uh create a press uh create create a gossip story to keep the name in the press for purposes of getting the Bond role, right? Which I think is wild to me because it's like that's not how Daniel Craig got the Bond role. Like I don't understand where all of a sudden this seems to be like the template for how you get cast as James Bond is you sort of like either gin up a relationship, which is what Hiddleston did with Taylor Swift, which everybody sort of sort of seems to agree was a a publicity relationship, and that happened right after The Night Manager, and that honestly. That turned the tide of public opinion, I think, against him in a way that, like, I don't think it's gone back yet. Like, he the only non Marvel movie really that he's made since Night Manager has been Kong Skull Island, which was not super well received. And um, although I think I see people sticking up for that movie, but like nobody ever mentions him or Brie Larson in that movie. Like, I feel like people like that in spite of. It's sort he's of starry fully cast, fully
1: unnecessary to that movie.
2: Yeah, right. I, I think, I guess, I can appreciate it. it's another role that I've never seen him in. Like he's all bronzed up and he's like, you know, an action, whatever. But going, yeah, going back to the night manager, it did. I, I was telling him for like this really does feel like a big audition tape for James Bond, and now you have you know this kind of this kind of trend of like let's do a. A kind of a, a quasi-British action thrill that will sort of relate to James Bond, but not really, but hopefully that people will see it and kind of get my name out there. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was kind of, again, I, I'm a huge fan of and I think he's extremely talented, so it was very uh, painful to see this happen because it was, you could just kind of see the tide slowly turn where it was like kind of overexposure, you know, not only publicly, but also, you know, in the roles and it it was, yeah, it was kind of a cringy thing to see, to say the least.
3: But it's it's what? wild to me that, like, aside from Kong, since Night Manager, he's only done a, uh, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Infinity War. It says he's on, he's credited in, oh, right, because he is in Avengers Endgame when they do, when they go back, uh, they go back in time. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, but otherwise, he's a voice in early man. He's got the Loki uh TV series coming up for Disney Plus but like that's kind of it in terms of at least what's on IMDb for him and like maybe he just sort of decided to get where the getting was good and like maybe I I mean I don't know he
2: has
1: been working on the stage yeah a lot of plays that is true
2: yeah a lot of plays a lot of you know back to the roots of you know just acting um i yeah uh so yeah i think i think it's sort of like after the that all hit a crescendo it was like okay let me just go back to like my humble beginnings uh at the stage in england and then from there um kind of i mean it's interesting i'm surprised that he agreed to do that tv show to be honest with you like i i truly thought the like. Loki
3: show yeah, yeah.
2: Well, well it's amazing of-
3: how many of them have like Elizabeth Olsen also Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are doing Vision and Wanda and um Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackey are doing um whatever Falcon and and the Winter Soldier and it's like I'm I am shocked how many of them decide and I wonder whether those tv shows are going to be a lot more contained maybe than we realize and they're just going to be like like mini series or one-offs or something I guess but like You're right in that, like it is surprising that that to see how many of them were very willing. Maybe they just really enjoyed playing this. Yeah, maybe they just want to
2: have fun. Maybe it's a fun. I'm I'm sure it is, and the check is probably amazing too. Yeah,
3: I will say. (laughs) I'm looking. I'm looking at the IMDB for Night Manager right now, just sort of like clicking around in it. And there's this one still of him and Elizabeth Debicki where their backs are to each other and they're both sort of like looking backwards over their shoulders at each other and they're like, <laughs> and it's the hottest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire life. They're so, like that movie Debicki. was that, that miniseries yes. was real stylish and real, real good. I And he good. won the Golden Globe for that. That he was sort, Again, that was sort of like peak Hiddleston.
1: It still very much feels like he could be an Oscar nominated actor, if it's the right role in the right movie. Like, it, again, like, where he's strayed almost exclusively into Marvel stuff right now, but like, yeah. out of nowhere, I think he could just have another. I mean, like, he's cast in a lot of period things and period he's
3: things. He's still are right really right. young. He's a year younger than I am, which is very young.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
3: Joe is famously young. Famously young, uh, canonically so, yes,
0: exactly.
2: <laughs> but yes, no. I mean, Tom, he's, he's, I mean, again, he's very talented. Like, again, out of all the actors, you know, out there now, he's probably one of the most talented, especially coming from that, that uh, England, the England base of, of British actors. I think he, talent-wise, is at the top. So I have no doubt that, you know, at some point, he will definitely land that, that great role that will get him nominated
1: or when to talk a little bit about Elizabeth Olsen she was somebody that when Martha May Martha Marcy May Marlene happened felt assuredly going to be an oscar nominated actress very yes. soon yeah. yeah and it has just not materialized after that yeah. the fact that it didn't happen for that movie still surprises me because
3: it was the year after Winter's Bone and i'm like okay so a precedent has been set you co-star with John Hawks in a movie where you are like a you're a young ingenue actress who like is sort of coming from nowhere and is giving this great performance and like that that's how it goes you're just going to get an Oscar nomination and especially I kind of because I feel
1: very much the opposite though that movie is essentially like I, I adore that movie I would it would be really interesting to talk about uh, for our purposes on this podcast but like it's ostensibly a horror movie yeah about rape cults and it's Because it was released by Fox Searchlight, I think it kind of had a certain expectation attached to it. But she's outright incredible in that movie. She She is. In a way she's never gotten the chance to do again.
3: Sarah Paulson is. Like everybody in that movie is really, really good. Also, um, what's her name who was in Orange is the New Black and other things? Maria Dizia. Mm-hmm. is so oh, fucking yeah. creepy that scene at the end where they're robbing the guy's house, and she just appears from behind him <gasps> and I
2: scream that was it's... creepy that was
3: that's so it, I'm looking at the cast now Christopher Abbott's in that movie or in that movie Brady Corbett, Julia Garner, who's on uh, Ozark right now mm-hmm. um Louisa Krause, who is in that play about the movie theater the Annie Baker play about the movie theater whose that name I'm
1: forgetting now um, I believe it's called uh, is it just called the the whatever I forget the name yes but you know what I'm talking about right yes like the one general. that is like three hours of silence and people hated that no people really loved it this was the one that people really
3: loved um oh, okay anyway it's a really good cast I want to see now I really want to see this movie again because it's been a while but I like recall really loving it i she i think dancing? i watched
2: it in, co- in college actually my professor um we had to choose i think it was around the time it was just released and they he gave us a list of um films to see right now and i guess it was an extra credit thing like oh go you know pick a movie and i was like oh yeah i'll go see this Marsha Marsha may whatever this film <laughs> and i again walking in not knowing anything about it and i was like Oh, this is dark. I was so like, oh my god! I was not meant yeah. to prepare for this film. Why did I do this to myself? But I loved it so much, and I think again, I when I saw Elizabeth Olsen, it didn't register that this was was the Olsen twin's sister. Like I did, it didn't. There was no connection. It still like, doesn't to me. Still I still don't me. see it
3: at all. I don't, I don't see, see any kind of familiarity or nothing. Like it's
2: all. completely like detached from it. So when someone told me, I was like. I think I I know the sister. Again, I don't know. I I didn't know, but again, you're right. I don't, I don't think about them when they see her. I just don't. Yeah. I think
1: some of that is we associate the Olsen twins somehow with just like silence. Like (laughs) we, we can only imagine them as a still photograph, and we don't imagine them speaking. And then Elizabeth Olsen—not like even a this... still
3: photograph, but like something that appears in the background of a still photograph—that like I don't <laughs> right. remember them being there at all. Like, like,
2: wait, they were there? What?
3: Yeah. Did you ever see that movie with um, Alex Pettifer where he's like the beautiful, um, but yes, sort of vain, uh, beastly, beastly, and yes. she plays like the witch who the like witch. curses him or whatever? It's so stupid, it's but so it's weird. so like watchable. I really enjoyed it.
2: I, yeah that was a surprise when I felt like is she really in this movie
0: I'm really yes.
2: Like, she showed up in the, the trailer projects, that was
3: one of those things where you see somebody in a trailer for a movie and you just bust out laughing because it's just like sure
1: okay. and like
3: that I remember very much doing that
1: But like the roles that came after Martha Marcy May Marlene, it was just kind of like, oh, this is a shame because it's not happening for her in the way that I think a lot of people expected it to. But then I saw the light comes on. It's like, oh, it will be this. Right. And then, of course, again,
3: she's in the quote unquote, like the Reese Witherspoon, June Carter Cash role in this movie that seems to be really following the template of Walk the Line. And yeah, definitely expectations
1: were up. If there like... is one, go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry, no. Um, I was just thinking about, again, I think about roles besides Scarlet Witch and then Marvel. And I think the only one that I can think of, like off the top of my head, was Ingrid Goes West. That's
0: Which what I was about to bring up.
2: And she's I, so good in it. She's so good at it. And I think low, low key is because, like, she lived in that hall that she, again, she who her sisters are, I'm sure she has experienced this before. So when she got into that role of like the, of the chic, sort of like bohemian Instagram influencer, I'm like, I believe you. Like, I truly believe it. She was fantastic in that movie. The fact that she makes that
3: character a little bit fake, but a little bit not fake.
0: Right. You know what I mean? Like she's just phony enough. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like there's this undercurrent of anger that kind of rides everything that is not her performing. Yeah. Um, that is so interesting to watch. It's the kind of performance that is like never going to get attention because of the things that she's doing and how understated they are, but what she pulls off in that movie is so difficult and so like I think she makes that movie more interesting than like some of the surface level things that movie's interested in or at least the kind of yeah, I don't know, the more like gauche level things that that movie's playing at she
3: in that movie to me is what i think blake lively in a simple plan was to everybody else last year yes
2: oh okay i i can see that i can see that
1: because blake lively was a little bit doing more of like telling you the thing that she's doing whereas elizabeth olsen doesn't is maybe a little bit more confident that you yeah, understand. Yeah,
3: not 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 and again not to like slam Blake Lively in that movie who I think is actually doing a really good job. I just I I sometimes felt a little left behind by the degree of
1: effusiveness that I think people <laughs> in my in my circles were. I saw were... that movie very late, so I, there was a note of that's it same, when yeah. I saw yeah. It.
2: same yeah. I was like I was, yeah. waiting, I was like okay she wears great clothes okay
1: cool I'll, I'll tell you what though
3: anna kendrick kicks ass in that movie she anna does. kendrick
0: is so good
3: anyway uh the flick was that annie baker play that i couldn't the think flick. of by the way the yes. flick i was oh. like it's called the film <laughs> yeah right i almost said that i was just like is it called the film no the oh. flick
1: anyway um guys do we have any final notes on i saw the light that we want to talk about um, I feel like it's the least we've ever talked about a movie that we're talking about, and it makes the most sense.
2: I'm sure people are like listening. Like, okay, you guys have literally talked nothing about this film. Like in the like, I'm sure compared to other films you've talked about, this is a very light. But this film doesn't. And I want to talk to like I want to know how the the thought process on how this film came about because when you watch it it doesn't really make sense. Like the way the transitions go and what they chose to omit from the film, like they didn't even yes. go into his childhood, which I think if you're introducing a person like Hank Williams that not everyone knows about the yeah. least you can do is give me a backstory. Like for example, I, when I saw the film, I went on YouTube Found a random biopic about him, and I learned more from that biopic than i on YouTube than <laughs> I learned about this film That's like wild. he grew mm-hmm. like he grew up like his, his, he, they mentioned in the film, but his dad like got injured and he was kind of like without a father and his mom raising by himself and of course, we're like, okay, how did he get into music? Well, there was this old black jazz blues musician in town that was like walking yeah. around playing, and he and a bunch of kids followed him and asked him to teach him, and that's how he learned about music. I'm like, yeah, this, I want to know this stuff. Why didn't you tell Where's me? Where's that this? character at Where all? Is yeah, at least give me some context on why he's the way he is.
3: It starts at such a weird time. We start it with him and Audrey eloping, so we don't so get to weird. see them even like fall in love so like we never have any kind of perspective on their relationship i i also sort of looked up a little bit about um his life and like the fact that like audrey and his mother teamed up after his death to get his marriage to um the younger the younger woman who's he who he's married to when he dies to get that marriage essentially like declared invalid <gasps> I didn't yes. know that. I want to see that movie. Like, I want to see Cherry Jones, the movie with where it's Cherry Jones and Elizabeth Olsen square off over Hank Williams. Oh my god, (laughs) I would watch that. Oh my god,
2: I would totally watch that.
3: But this is the kind of movie where, like, because so much of it is so flat and and not modulated really well, the super weird stuff. I think I'm a little bit even thankful for, even though I don't think it's good. Like that scene with him and the movie producer. Played by Josh Pace, where yeah. he's like, it's weird. It gets weirdly antagonistic for seemingly no reason, and he keeps mm-hmm. trying to get him to like take his hat off and prove that he's not bald. And I'm like, what is the tension here exactly? <laughs> besides, like, I it's don't so... understand what's going on in the scene. And then it never, it is not important whatsoever. It never no. comes up again. There's his no movie fall career through, through comes these characters. Up. There's no fall right. through,
2: through these scenes. It's like, okay, you're show. It's like, why did you choose to show show me this part? Okay, like, right. There's no and I'm, again, i again I just again I look at walk the line, I think about that film, I say, okay, again, I didn't I don't know a lot about Johnny Cash, but at least they gave me the film didn't assume that I already knew who Johnny Cash was. The film right. went through the steps like, Okay, again, here's his his life, this is what happened, yeah. this is why he's like this way. And for this it's like it it doesn't really give you a lot about him, truly.
3: And you'd have had a lot more reason to know who Johnny Cash is, because Johnny Cash had been alive in your lifetime.
1: Like,
0: Johnny Cash
3: lived a long time. He had a hit song And Johnny Cash actually,
1: like, achieved a lot of his stature while he was alive. But
0: but did
2: you guys know that when I was watching Walk the Line, there's a Hank Williams reference in that film. Oh, Um, I'm sure. Yeah, Walking Phoenix is coming back from the, well, Johnny Cash is coming back from the army. And he looks and he sees a newspaper and on the front it says Hank Williams dead at 29. So it's like, okay, seeing that, I'm like, okay, so Hank Williams clearly was a big figure if they're putting that reference in Walk the Line, but... You would not know that based on this film because it doesn't no. tell me the importance of this man. Like, how did he, he influence people with his music? Like, yeah. I want to know about music, not about his relationship or his drunkenness or his drug use. Like, that's yeah. typical. That's a musician. Like, that's nothing yeah. new. Like, tell me something else that makes me care about this person. And
1: exactly. it tells you the same things nonstop for two hours. Even all of the, like, musical numbers feel like... Exactly the same and shot exactly the same to like not build any tension. Yeah, it looks like it's shot at the bottom of a lake.
3: There, there are a few (laughs) real hacky bits that I that I uh, wrote down in my notes. First of which being, I can't believe this is a movie that uses an actual newsreel segment. Oh god, unironically. Oh super weird. (laughs) So weird. I can't remember the last time I've seen that. That wasn't a comedy bit. Like that's very strange. That weird framing structure that like comes and goes as it damn pleases like it's not consistent at all and like every time it would recur i'd be like wait a second what are we doing this like i had forgotten already by that point that this was the structure we had and then there's a line um the the wife the third wife that he has when he dies billy that was also weird that like he had the woman named Bobby and a woman named Billy and they were both sort of like fighting over him at the same time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like weird in a comedic way that I'm like, if you play into this, it would be better. Um, but she sort of looks at him towards the end, and she says, "You're a real piece of work, Hank Williams." And I'm just like, "Oh my god, it's so <laughs> on the nose! Like, god. it's so non-specific, and yet like seems to like sum up the whole movie. I don't know.
2: It does. It really. It's it's just a it's a it's a Honestly, one of the weirdest biopics I've ever watched, just purely based on how it's edited and structured, and just yeah it 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 blew my mind truly but not in a good way
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it blew your mind slowly by making it evaporate Hmm. yeah exactly (laughs) Do we want to get into the IMDb game? Yes, let's.
2: Yes.
3: All
1: right, Joe, would you like to explain the IMDb game for our lovely listeners?
3: Sure. IMDb game is how we end every episode. We quiz each other on actors and actresses. We go to their IMDb page and we see what four films that are listed as the films they are most known for. And we quiz each other to guess which four movies they are. We get two wrong answers and then we'll get the year of the movies that we're missing in turn uh in the form of hints and after that point it's just a barrage of hints because we like to get right answers more than we like to get wrong answers We call out whether any of the four films are television work or voiceover work because that's only fair. And we try to avoid actors who are heavily into the Marvel or Harry Potter universes because those movies tend to clog up their film. uh, They're known for us. So we're going to do it round robin style because there is three of us. So we're going to go in a circle. Chris, what order should we go in?
1: Uh, Erica, would you like to guess or give first
2: uh i'm going to guess
1: okay so how about this joseph would you like to give to erica erica can give to me and i can give to joseph
3: that sounds very good to me all right all right so i wanted to stick with the elizabeth olsen thing as inspiration she of course first shows up in the marvel cinematic universe in the post credit scene to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and then in Avengers Age of Ultron, paired with her on-screen brother, this is the, they are the Maximoff twins, Wanda and Pietro. Pietro, of course, played by Aaron Taylor-Johnson. So, Erica, I am going to have you guess the four known four films for Aaron
0: Taylor-Johnson.
2: Oh, God. Okay. Um, Boy, 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 boy. Um, um, kick-ass correct um godzilla
1: correct
2: um
1: also with elizabeth olsen also Olson. Yeah. they play,
2: play white they play wife and child too which i mean i mean husband and wife which is hilarious yeah um, it is. uh something with the name boy in the title um
3: you're tantalizingly close i'm so wow. close i'm so close i'm
2: like i, I know because that's where he met his his wife actually um yes and that's that's how i know that that's the only reason i know sam,
3: that sam taylor. sam taylor
2: uh, johnson
3: it was sam taylor wood at the oh, time oh, I oh, oh say, wood, right? yeah because they uh, they they combined their names and hyphenated together
2: right oh god what's the name of that movie um, i don't know
3: but it might have i was sort of expecting it to show up on chris's um little game we played earlier.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I might have also pulled up Aaron Taylor Johnson and left it out for that reason. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I think
1: you're going to get it.
2: I think I'm not going to get it. Cause it's really bothering me and I can't remember. I truly can't. Uh, well, you've got
3: one other one if you want to maybe stick a pin in that one and try and guess. The
2: yeah, other yeah, I'm going to stick a pin and I'm going to try to think of another one. Um, and
1: no wrong guesses yet, too. There, so know, yeah. it was
0: very
2: good. I know. I, apparently, I know a lot about Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, he's, he's so he's, he's so attractive. Oh my God, he's um, so
0: attractive. He's yes. So
2: attractive, it bothers me sometimes. Um,
1: I am out here on an island. <laughs> uh, oh, That's fine. More
2: sorry. for Erica
3: and I. That's
2: oh, fine. oh, 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 oh! Sorry, he was. Was he in? What was that Kira Knightley movie that he was kind of like? He had a mustache. Um, <laughs> Anna, Anna Karenina.
3: He was in that, but that's not that's one not, of the four. Really? So that's your first strike. I know. Joe I'm surprised. Joe and I at that noted
1: too. Anna Karenina defenders.
2: Oh, yes. you know what? That that movie I did not like. Uh, Nocturnal. God, what was that movie? I just so despised um, i don't know but you've
3: got one word in each of the two that you're know, like, saying, so. like erica
2: like half baked truly <laughs> in all occasions half baked not fully done um if there
3: was a movie called nocturnal boy you'd be totally fully I, w- I would totally win um i
2: <laughs> it was not not
3: no-
1: Taylor no- Taylor
2: wait nocturnal Man. animals was that yes nocturnal correct animals? okay yep. all right
1: his golden globe win oh, his much yes. you know beloved uncontroversial <laughs> Um, I widely accepted as a great choice for a Golden Globe. Oh boy!
3: I'm a defender of his, but I hate that movie so much. I hate
2: that movie so much that it really—I don't. I've never had a movie that really, like, really, like, did not like. But he was good though. But you know, I was Um, just—he plays such
3: a scuzzy, gross,
1: awful person. You see him wipe his ass. You do. It's gross. gross.
2: I was like, why am I seeing this? All right, all right. And have one more, right?
1: Right. Yes, the boy movie.
3: The boy movie.
2: That boy movie, which I cannot. All
3: right. So Chris might have used it in his quiz because it is also a musical biopic. If that helps you at all.
2: Uh no, it does not. Okay. <laughs> um... God, I don't know if I'm going to get this. This really well you've thing. already
3: got it so I don't yeah, think uh, anything. I think kind we give it, it to you, you because oh, you're like so this sweet. is so obscure. <laughs> thank, you, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, you. so this was the 2009 biopic of a young John Lennon. You're right in that this was the movie that he met his current wife Sam Taylor Johnson, Sam Taylor Wood at the time. It's called Nowhere Boy because there was the song Nowhere Man by the Beatles. Oh, so
2: okay, all right.
3: Nowhere Boy. Um yeah. not a bad movie. Kristen Scott Thomas is in that movie. I believe plays his mother not too shabby all told so yeah very very well done erica in getting almost all the way there i feel like three and a half out of four we'll give it to you so we'll take that okay
2: i'll take it i'll take it
1: all right what do you have for me
2: okay so i was going towards cherry jones um because i i just love her a lot um oh before i'm sorry can, can we oh sorry never mind i Sorry, scratch that. Um, yeah, so I chose Cherry Jones because I think she, I think she did a good job in this film. Actually, I uh, agree
3: with you. I, I wanted to see more of her every I time. I wanted to see
2: more of her. her. Like she didn't didn't give her a lot, but I liked her. Um, but she was in Boy Erased, um, the uh, 2018 film that also played at TIFF and I actually missed it unfortunately. Um, This had
1: Oscar Buzz Class of 18 uh, title. Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. So we are going to go with Lucas Hedges. Um, Lucas Hedges. So what are the top films that they have for Lucas Hedges?
1: Uh, I will say Lady Bird. Mm -hmm. Yep. Manchester by the Sea. Yep. Um, Boy Erased. Is Boy Erased one of them?
2: It is not, believe it or not.
1: Ooh. I bet with I bet you in a year it will be.
2: It will be, I think.
1: Yeah, some some of last year's titles are uh, showing up on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe Ben is back. Ben is back. No,
2: believe it or not, it's not Ben is back. Ben either. is not back yet.
1: Not ben? yet. <laughs> not... Ben, who is not back, is not back.
2: <laughs> this might be hard. I'm actually surprised of, of this list, but
1: was that two wrong answers? One are yes. my years?
2: oh pardon? Uh, what are my years oh what years um one is 2017 and the other is 2012
1: oh okay i think i got this 2012 has to be moonrise kingdom
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's wild that you remember that he's, he's like that. the he's like the <laughs> mean kid in he, moonrise kingdom
2: it is and i'm kind of I, it's really surprising that, that is on the list but yeah
1: yeah um And the other 2017 has to unfortunately be Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri.
2: You are correct. Yes.
3: I think he's
1: really good in that movie. He I have to say.
2: He is. It's bad that I hate that
1: movie so much. <laughs> but I thought that was... probably pretty- the best performance in that movie. Well, I mean, Frances McDormand is good. Not as good as, like, you initially think or I initially thought that she was. But, right. like, Lucas is at least, like, being understated, whereas everybody <laughs> else is, like... I I think the scenes with the two of them together are really, I think are really effective,
3: but mileage certainly varies on that movie. I will say, (laughs) yes. Mm -hmm. but that was such an interesting tip for him because that was the year after his Oscar nomination with Manchester by the sea. And I don't think people were expecting 2017 to be the year that he would like follow that up. I think people were already sort of looking ahead to whatever the roles he was going to get cast in from Manchester. And then all of a sudden he's in these two supporting roles in Lady Bird and Bill and Three Billboards and I think that was maybe just the two of them. Yeah, it was just those two. But like his role in Lady Bird sort of st- like expands in your memory after you see that movie mm-hmm. where it's just sort of like he's he's really in it sort of pretty briefly, even more briefly than Chalamet is in that movie, I feel like. But yeah. like he really like you're you're so fond of that character and he does it so well
1: and I don't know. It's really lovely. Then I realized there were actual train tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that scene so much. Oh, oh it breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, okay, so Joseph, for you, I actually went the musical biopic route and I was trying to do Rocket Man because currently on your cinema screens, you have Bryce Dallas Howard giving a great performance as Adele as Elton John's mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, I was going to stop Howard, you with a great
0: performance,
3: but then you then you can. Yes. On and I'm like okay yeah
1: Bryce Dallas Howard unfortunately and I think I've tried to do this before and mention this on the podcast she strangely only has three titles on IMDB
3: that's so that's such shade that's so mean
1: yeah poor, wow. poor uh, BDH um, but anyway I stuck with Rocket Man, and I went with a different supporting player in the film who actually had a nice singing voice and I wanted to hear him sing more uh, I went with Jamie Bell
0: Ooh. oh Jamie Bell Ooh, what like a s-
3: sweet boy, Jamie Bell. He's so <laughs> good in that movie, too. And, like, he plays such a lovable character in that movie. Oh,
1: God, I do adore him. All he right, goes so. A lot of different fashion stages as well. Sure.
3: All right. I imagine Billy Elliot's got to be. Billy Elliot. Got to be there for him. Okay. That had to have been his Bobby? first movie, right? right? That yes. had to have been a debut. Okay. No with Bali <laughs> <laughs> And then I feel like there's just a big sort of. Is it his? Is Fantastic Four one of them?
1: Fantastic Four uh, is one of them. I feel.
3: I mean, I guess that that movie has a, probably has a little bit of a, a good connotation for him because that's where he and Kate Mara got together. Mm. But um, I'm pretty sure they just had a baby. Congratulations to them. They're lovely. Oh, congrats. All right. We did mention Snowpiercer earlier so that's on my brain so I'm going to guess Snowpiercer.
1: Snowpiercer is not on Jamie Bell's. IMDb. I don't
3: think he has a big enough role in it. I think that's probably right. Okay.
1: Um Jamie Bell. No voiceovers? No voiceovers, so no Tintin. Tin. No Tintin. Tin. All right. How am I how many am I missing? You are missing 2. You have one wrong answer so far. Right. Right.
3: Uh, now all I can think of is Undertow, but I don't want to guess that because I can't imagine that would be one of them. King Kong?
1: King Kong is not one of them. That is your two wrong guesses. Your years now are 2008 and 2013.
3: 2008 and 2013.
1: 2008, I will say, has definitely shown up on a previous IMDb, but I can't remember for who because I think I like struggled forever to get this movie.
3: Is it Jumper?
1: It is Jumper. Wow. Oh, wow. The Doug
3: Lyman movie with Hayden Christensen yeah. and yeah. Samuel L. Jackson with weird spray-painted silver hair, as That's I recall.
2: That's right, yeah.
3: Yeah. Not a good movie, but I remember being like, it's Doug Lyman. I love Doug Lyman. <laughs> guess
1: not. Yeah. 2013 is a sequel, I say in scare quotes.
3: Oh, I know exactly. Why do these movies keep showing up on the IMDb game? I feel like this is <laughs> not the first time that it's Nymphomaniac Part 2, right? It is Nymphomaniac Part 2! Yeah. We, we, those Nymphomaniac movies show up on the IMDb game not infrequently, and that is insane to me.
1: That is so funny. I think it's because of who is in the cast for that movie. It like makes sense that that movie would have at least had like headlines and stuff to generate yeah, clicks. That's
3: probably true.
1: Compared to like the rest of their filmography.
3: Right. So what, it's Billy Elliot
1: Jumper. Nymphomaniac Fantastic Jumper. Nymphomaniac Volume 2. That where is he plays I will say essentially a BDSM uh, scare quotes therapist, I guess. That he is not a known for that a
3: that is not a known four that communicates what Billy or what Jamie Bell is as an actor. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like you get a lot more from him it's than like, like that.
2: Billy Elliott jumper, fantastic four, nymphomaniacs. Like what do I do with this?
3: <laughs> yeah, just like he's so much better in so many other things. He just, is.
1: Yeah. I liked him a lot in Rocket Man. Yes. Yeah, I probably liked him more than Taryn Edgerton. And uh, that's our episode. If you want more of This Head Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thisheadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. Please also follow us on Twitter at had underscore oscar underscore buzz. Erica, thank you so much for thank joining you. us. Thank it's you been so much a for blast to have you. Aww, thank um, you. Uh, and also, tell our listeners where they can find more of you. Uh,
2: you can find me on Twitter. I am at the NYC Film Chick. That is at the NYC Film Chick
1: delightful joseph tell our listeners where they can find more of you
3: i am on twitter at joe reed reed is spelled r-e-i-d i am also on letterboxd as joe reed spelled the exact same way
1: um and i am on twitter at Crispy file that's f-e-i-l also on letterboxd under the same name i keep a running list of this hat oscar buzz titles that has direct links to episodes and imdb game stats You can also find me regularly at The Film Experience. We would like to thank uh, Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork, Dave Gonzalez and Gavin Mevius for their technical guidance. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. Five Star Review in particular really helps us out with iTunes visibility so please don't make our five star reviews so lonesome they could cry and keep them company with some more five star reviews of your own. That's all for this week and we hope you We'll be back next week for more Buzz. Bye.
0: Bye. a baby. That's You never fail. To satisfy.